number seven. Friends, welcome back. I am AC. And I'm Veronica. And this is the Cernocentric Podcast. We are a mere 80 days away from getting married. Today marks day 80 away from uh, the big day. But you know what? We're not here to talk about our big day. <laughs> We're here to talk about another man's big day. Another man's big day. <laughs> More man than most. Father Peter is here with us today. Hey! Hello, everyone. Wow. <laughs> Father Peter. Is that weird for you still when people call you Father Peter? Or have you been like mentally preparing for it? No, I mean, I, I, it, yeah, it's still very odd to hear Father Peter uh, uh, as my name. And so when people when people um, call me that, even you guys, even, even when I walked in today, it was a little odd to hear Father Peter <laughs> from my friends. <laughs> but like, which I don't necessarily expect to be honest with you. I appreciate like it. Same as like if when I get married, I'm going to be called. I mean, it's so much. It's so different. It's like so different. Like. Or I'll be called Mrs. I think I'd prefer to be called Mrs. than I wonder, Miss. I wonder if it's going to fade. Like originally, it's mean? almost like whenever a title changes, like whenever someone says like "Hi, Mrs. Serna," you know, or "Hi, Father Peter," but eventually they just start calling you Veronica again later. You know, if if you became a doctor one day, I would call you Doctor for I a guess, little while, and then the novelty of it would wear away, uh-huh. and then you would just be who you are. But still, I think it's different because yours is not just yeah all the, uh, an occupation; it's like who you are. Now. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. So as a priest, we take on a, a certain not personality, but we we take on a certain role. You know, in, mm-hmm. in 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 the church, but I would say also for the entire world, and that's of as a, like a spiritual father. So, uh, and that's something that really I've I've reflected on even before I got ordained, this idea of what it means to be a father. Because obviously we're not going to be biological fathers. But you have the opportun- we have the opportunity to be, to lead people to something greater. And, and, and I think many qualities that the dad has, a father has, we, we also take on in a different way, of course. So, But yeah, so I think it's a little different than like being called a doctor or right whatever else you know do your parents call you father peter they don't no no <laughs> no well although they they're i think they're still trying to kind of uh uh figure out how to interact with me it sounds kind of weird but because i don't know especially there, there are several things because in the hispanic culture there's such a kind of a, a praise and a respect for for priest uh but i've told him i said i'm still your son there's not much different here does your mom cry every time she sees you? She doesn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like... She did cry a lot. Yeah. She did cry okay. a lot. Okay. Right. Why uh, do you laugh so at me? Like, it's like a... That, that's where that question comes from. I didn't quite understand. Yeah, she <laughs> did cry a lot here. coming up into, into the ordination. Actually, and so did my dad, was that, which I, I was surprised about. What, did they tell you why they were crying? Like, did they say, like... Well, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of neat, because my, my, my mom is a, a lot more expressive than my dad would ever be, but... um. The day before my ordination, so Friday, I I went with a priest friend and we ended up staying closer to LA, so I don't wouldn't have to deal with the commute and like all the the hassle that was going on at home. And so uh, my parents wanted to talk to me, and I said we want to talk to you. And so I said okay, sure. And so they pulled me aside right before I left, and and they just essentially they just shared like they were very proud of me and uh, thanks for everything you've done for us as a son. And it was kind of neat too because my dad. He's never done this, but he said, I apologize if there's anything I've ever done to offend you as a, as a father or the ways that I failed you as a father. So it was neat. Like, I think in many ways, like, my family was as, because I, I, realized it, I realized that my family was as invested as I was, sometimes even more, I would say. Being a priest is different than being uh, one of my other brothers or sister who's married. Mm-hmm. So in that, in, in, those, in that sort of respect, there's a lot of, like, adjustment that I think 
they're learning how to how to take. And I I, I think it'll just kind of come together organi- organically. Like your siblings, they're are they like, hey Peter? Are they like, oh, sorry father? No, like- <laughs> no, no. They're they're actually pretty cool with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's take us back to ordination. Yeah, day. let's let's go backwards. So when you're in the seminary. How do you practice? Do you practice for an ordination? Or do you guys like go somewhere in, your, in like a graduation? I work at a school, right? And so for the like Rehearsal. a week beforehand, do you guys, they rehearse to walk down the aisle. They rehearse to go get their their diploma, how to shake the hand, confirmation practice, the same thing. Mm-hmm. You go, you have a bishop stand in place. Do you do that kind of thing for an ordination? Yeah, but it's, yes, but it's not like we've done it. We do it for like a whole year, you know? So... I've been in seminary now. I was in seminary for six years. And so you go to all the ordinations. You go to the oh, diaconate yeah. ordinations. That's you go true. to the priest ordinations. So guys, most guys wouldn't know like what exactly is, is going on in the ordinations. They have maybe a little bit more of a of an, of an understanding of behind like the symbolism behind certain things and, and, and stuff like that. And so you have a general sense of what's going to happen during the ordination. I think in the same way that, you know, just just like you guys are getting married. I have no idea. Oh, come on. I mean, I have sort of an idea. We've been to a wedding before. I mean, I've been to a wedding, but like to say like... You know you're exchanging vows. Right. I know you're exchanging... At what time things are supposed to happen, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're just playing... You're not playing dumb, because I don't think you ever play dumb, but... (laughs) Oh, you play dumb a lot, actually. (laughs) Most of the time, you're playing dumb. (laughs) But but you know, it's essentially the same mass, it's just... Right, no, I understand the, stuff, like there's a mass, but like I don't know at what point. Like so I'm like really gonna take notes at rehearsal. Like, okay. This I, happens. I, I this even happens. even if you take notes, I think you'll be a fine because the priest pretty much leads you Guides through the whole thing. Yeah, but so but we do. We do have a we do have a a rehearsal the the week before. So like okay. or actually the week leading up leading up to the ordination. We had a rehearsal. Uh it was kinda neat because so we gathered about four o'clock with the archbishop and uh, the rest of the people who were going to help out with the ordination, and we went through the whole rite, and uh, then we had dinner with the archbishop, and then we came over to the cathedral again and we greeted everybody that was going to help out uh, for the actual ordination, and then they had their own rehearsal. So pretty straightforward, and then really you have the the masters of ceremonies who kind of direct you through the whole time, and it's even the day of like everything's just so chaotic and there's so much going on that I think you would probably forget most of the things that you learned during the rehearsal. If it weren't for the MCs, we'd you know, probably be... Shout out to the MCs, man. We need an MC. I agree. Okay, so <laughs> can we go back even further than that? Because I've known you for a long time. Uh, yeah, I you, think, and I had, you, you and I went through life tune at St. John's yes. out in Baldwin Park together. Yeah, I think I was 15, so you were probably something similar. 14, probably. Okay. I think I'm mean, a year younger than you are. And, or about, about that, yeah. And so... How long have you known that this was something that you wanted? Like, when was that first, like, introduced into your mind or your heart or whatever? And then how does that go? And was, I guess, kind of the personal question is, like, was it always this? Was it always going to be this? And I don't know how much of that you want to answer, but, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, was it always this? That's pretty personal, man. I know. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Uh, I mean, both of you guys have known me for a while. AC's right. known me for way longer than Veronica has, I think. Yeah. You suck, Veronica! <laughs> We're better friends. <laughs> you guys are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you've known also, like, when we were in Life Team, there was, that was also always kind of a thought and idea that, you, that we had. Actually, I mean, I remember you kind of maybe referencing a little bit, too, of the idea of priesthood. 
But yeah, I think a lot of us to think about it a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Sure. But I think actually, it was, which was kind of neat, a lot of the guys that we used to hang out with, uh, because of the of the pastor that was there, and because of just kind of the the culture that was uh, built at the youth ministry that we had, there was always always kind of an openness to the idea of priesthood. You know, I do remember. I, I do remember. So I, I I tell people I had like my reconversion yeah. <laughs> when I was like a fr- when I was a freshman my, our first retreat I think we went to sure. the, the same first yeah. retreat I really had a powerful experience with the Lord so I was really on fire for, for God and that's really the, t- the, the the year that I really took time to um, to learn a little bit more about my faith and develop sort of a, a relationship with Christ that I, I don't think I've ever, I've ever had before and uh, for whatever reason my family used to be involved with this group called the Legionnaires of Christ and uh, they have a high school seminary. And somehow I found that out. And I asked my mom if I could join the high school seminary. I think this was freshman year. And my mom said, no. <laughs> she said, you're crazy. <laughs> no. And so uh, after that, you know, it was kind of still a thought in the back of my head. But, you know, I said, well, you know, whatever, whatever God wants, and I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out later on. And then I went on that, you know, and it was still there. And uh, once I got into college, though, that's really when I started to... Uh, Considered a lot more seriously, you know. Again, it was I had talked about it before. I think you guys had both heard me mention it before. Um, the fact that I was that I was you know interested in, in in pursuing the vocation, but seriously, it was until college where I was meeting with the spiritual director and uh, I was asking myself a lot of questions, what I wanted to do, and so really, yeah, earlier my early adult life, young adult life. I, uh, it was something that I really considered seriously. Was it always going to be this? Like, did did the desire waver at any point to be like, ah, I mean, that was cool, that was a nice thought, but I have other things. I don't even know if you can answer that question. You but, can't take yeah. it back now. I mean, <laughs> I mean he is what he is. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The indelible mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, I, I look back at my life, you know, at least the last, so I'm 32 now, at least the last 15 years. Yeah, I mean, this was something that I think I, I think God God put it in my heart, and it was something that I I never really once I decided there was really no no questions or doubts about it. I kind of went in full force, and that was that's that's where I had committed to, and and mostly because there was a sense of just peace and 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 um, understanding that this is where God wanted me, and so I was really I think not, not and not all guys have that, you know. A lot of guys kind of go through the process of actually even discerning it through seminary. And of course, I was always open. I always told God in my prayer, God, if you want me to do something else, then let me do it. I mean, I, I will say, like, on the other hand, I would have loved to have a big family. Like, if I were to, if I would have gotten married and and uh, and had kids, I would have wanted tons of kids. Um, so the, the 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 fatherhood is very attractive. I think I think uh, it's a beautiful thing. Family life is a beautiful thing. Now, I I think just God really put again this thing in my heart and. It's what I pursued. So, and here you are, and here Father I am. Peter. <laughs> Very cool. Here I so, am. all right. So now we're gonna fast forward again. <laughs> all right. So, He's really taking the reins. You wake on up because I just find this whole thing so so very interesting. <laughs> like, so you wake up day of ordination. All right. What's the first thought that pops into your mind, like morning of? Holy no! <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Holy priesthood. <laughs> Uh, it was neat because the night before, two of my good good priest friends who were just recently ordained, we uh, went to seminary together, and one of them was ordained last year. Uh, the other one was ordained two years ago. Um, so they took me out to a nice dinner. We had a nice conversation, you know, and and I think a lot of a lot of uh, 
maybe just some of like the, I wouldn't say doubts, but a lot of the questions that were kind of lingering in my, in my, in my heart and in my head, uh, were kind of discussed during, during that, during that dinner and that conversation that we had. Nothing, nothing, you know, to be scandalized by, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, so there was a lot of just kind of peace. But once I got back to the, to the hotel where we were staying at, I, I, first of all, I found it really hard to sleep. (laughs) I can imagine. And then when I woke up the next morning, I mean, yeah, again, I, there was just like, let's do it. Like, it's time. Just like, have your coffee, like, just. Yeah, yeah. Comb your hair and put on your. That's it. Put on my cassock and I, and I went to the cathedral. Took a deep breath. And it was fine. I was actually, I was, I was fine until that whole time I was fine. The whole week I was okay. Until I, I got to the cathedral, and then my heart started pounding, and I'm like, holy <laughs> <laughs> moly. <laughs> not make eye contact uh-huh. with people, just like... Yeah, especially when I saw how many people were there. I mean, I knew there was going to be a lot of people there. But. Okay, can we just talk about your line of people? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, well, we'll talk about that in just a second. All okay, right, you right. saw how many people were there. Yeah, and then, you know, but, oh, and then the, another cool thing is, so, you know, I get into the cathedral, we walk over, and... And then we they, they told us they instructed us to go to a certain room to get vested. And once I saw the my the, the guys that I was being ordained with, my brothers who I was gonna be ordaining with, there was just a, again another sense of peace. Uh, because that's that's one thing about priesthood, you know. Like you guys, I think when you guys walk down the aisle, or Veronica, when you walk down the aisle, uh, you're gonna meet AC at the at the foot of the of the sanctuary, of the, of the altar. And that's gonna be your partner for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. We have, yeah, we have Christ. We have the church as that, that partner. But we also have our brother priest who are really that support and that strength uh, and that, that, that um, encouragement, you know. And so to see my brothers who I was getting myself into with this with was just affirming. And it was very, there was a sense of like, just, okay, we're, we're in this together. And, and God has a great plan for all of us here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then we walked into the cathedral. <laughs> So I was super emotional. Were you emotional? <laughs> like I feel like there are a lot of people in like just the vibe was super emotional. Yeah. Like people is something like really like beautiful I, I to was see. Not, I was not very emotional. I was pretty tame. I mean, I think I was I was good um, during the whole ordination mass. At one point during the ordination mass, I remember, you know, because we processed in and. Uh, I was so kind of focused on like what was going on, like I, you know, this is like we're doing this, mm-hmm. and it all kind of happened really quickly. And at one point during the ordination, um, after we got we got called, and the archbishop kind of accepts the the calling, um, they asked us to like turn around and greet the people. And then I turned around, and the, the cathedral was jam packed, and that was really neat. You know, there was just, just kind of this uh, this thought in my head, like, wow, this is the people that God has called me, who, who's given me responsibility of was uh, just a lot a lot there was a greater conviction of that and just a greater realization of that of that um, that reality really so yeah all of Baldwin Park was there I imagine (laughs) (laughs) so you're laying on the ground right Uh uh, that happens later right right, later like you're laying what are you what is like going through your head is there something you're supposed to be doing as you as you lay down or as you lay prostrate, uh, just so maybe those that, that are listening that don't know, part of the rite uh, is that we lay on the on the ground and the, and the symbolism behind that is that we're kind of dying to ourselves and we're taking on a new life, you know, as priests. Um, really, something that all of us as Christians are called to do. 
something that you guys are going to do again once once you get married. You're taking on a, a, new, a completely new life. I lay down. You gotta lay on the ground, lay on the ground as I walk in. Walking. My balls yeah. <laughs> it's nap time. <laughs> Go to sleep right here. Start walking uh, right on top of me. <laughs> but during that time, they're singing the litany of saints. So we're asking for the intercession of all the saints who have lived extraordinary lives to intercede for for the men who are going to be ordained priests. And so essentially, you're. I mean, you're not necessarily asked anything in particular. There's not a specific you know thing you're supposed to be praying or, or okay. anything like that. So you're just kind of taking in the prayers and and and, and asking for the the prayers to, you know, make some sort of impact in your life. But it's it's neat too because a lot of the so the the litany of saints includes a bunch of saints, but we also added our own saints that we have some sort of devotion to. So I added Saint Juan Diego, and Saint um, Saint Jose Luis Sanchez de Rio, who is um, one of the Mexican martyrs. Did you feel anything? Did I feel anything? Did you feel <laughs> any different? Like, did you feel like? So like much adrenaline that there was like no, time I mean, to feel I, it. There were certain parts in the literature. Are you talking about this particular part or just in general? Just in general. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of parts in the liturgy where I felt. Uh, I hate to use the word "feel," but okay, where I experienced right. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, God is just really present, and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit really dwelling within uh, myself, and I think within the, the whole cathedral, all, all the people that were there. Uh, it was very special, I, I, I think. Uh, it was a very special celebration, and so yeah, I, there was yeah, there were moments, if not the whole liturgy, that was really uplifting, and there was this, again there was a sense of peace just that I was experiencing the whole time. How many people did you invite? Because literally, we were in line for like almost an hour and a half. <laughs> like it was it was crazy, and people just kept cutting us, and I was trying to like not lose you my let charity. Them cut. I didn't okay. I didn't let them cut. She we, did. We made the mistake by letting one person in, and then all of a sudden, all of Baldwin she, Park was right in front her of us. She brought friends. <laughs> like, I, so, I was very blessed because, so, so there were nine of us who were ordained. We each got 300 tickets, and I was able to get, I think it was an extra... A thousand. An extra thousand <laughs> tickets. Maybe an extra 150 tickets. Oh, my god! You know, from different... One of my classmates wasn't going to use all his, so they gave me some of his. Start hustling tickets. Yeah, so I just really, like, that's what it was. And then, because people knew that I, you know, that, that I, first of all, because I come from a big parish and I have a huge family. Mm. And there's been a lot of people, friends, you like you guys, who have known me for a while, who have supported me, been part of my journey uh, for a long time. So there's a lot of those sort of people, you know. And so a lot of people, a lot of my, a lot of the seminarians knew that, knew that I was from a big community, big parish. And so... I, I had a bunch of seminarians who say like, "Hey, yeah, I got some extra tickets. You want them or or whatever?" And so, yeah, I would say maybe about four hundred and fifty. And then there were tons of others who, I think, just showed up and eventually were let in. So, yeah, we got there at like eight fifty-five. <laughs> maybe eight. Was that Veronica's fault, AC? No, you don't even want to know what that morning looked like. We got okay, so Veronica, because I am a, a chivalrous man, I I allowed her to get off. Of the car, and I just left her because we were late because of. Oh, did you have to go find parking? So yeah, I went just around the corner and tried to find like a shopping or just shopping a, a parking uh, center, yeah, store. parking lot thing, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I got there. They were doing like a curie or something, or, yeah. or I it had already started. And you were standing, I think, were you? I was. I remember, I saw you. I remember seeing you guys. Yeah. Like, Why is he standing? <laughs> but you were sitting. Yeah. Next to Tati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got there, and then the ushers directed me that way, and I was like, "All right, 
I'll go wherever you tell me to go. And, and I just ran into people from St. John's who were just standing up against the uh, the wall there. Uh, so I just stood there while I was trying to figure out where's Veronica. <laughs> You know, because she didn't leave me like, uh, hey, I'm going to be here. This is where I'm supposed to go. She's just like, okay, bye. She left. You know? And I was just walking around. I ran into uh, Denise Barajas, who's also late. Shout out. Put you on blast, Denise. I'm not surprised, though. Okay, so you're standing in line, right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel bad for all of the other guys that have, like, smaller lines? Or are you? No, I mean, first of all, I didn't, I didn't notice. You want some of my guys? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice uh, the other guy's lines. I did realize that my line was huge. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I felt bad. It was hot. It was hot. It was It was. But hot. I was also hot. I was wearing yeah. a cassock and owl. And your full thing. Chasuble, you know. But it was fine. I, th- I You know, I think, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was, Were it was you ti- good. Were you tired at all? Because we went to someone else and... Bro looked tired. Yeah. Tired, like, tired. like, like done, here. like tapped like, who out. Are you? Like, like, like no, nah, I thought it was fine. I mean, this guy needs it. It was you know ener- it was energetic. Uh, just, to, I mean, there was a lot of energy, and, and and it was great just to see so many people that I haven't seen in a while, and family that I wasn't expected to be there, and then some people that, again, that maybe didn't necessarily get a ticket, but somehow managed to get in. How the? <laughs> it was it was great. No, uh, no so I wasn't tired uh, after. I went to a Jack in a Box. Did you really? I did, yeah. That was <laughs> your after ordination? That was my after ordination. You went to a Jack in the Box? I went to a Jack in the Box. What did I get? I got some like... Wait, did you drive yourself like home? No, one of my priest friends. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. right. The guy that was Carlos, with you the whole uh, time, yeah. What was your first priestly meal then? It was Jack in the Box. What'd you get? Jack in the Box, those cheese fries. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a Diet Coke. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the questions you asked me earlier was, was I emotional? And I yeah. said, I wasn't emotional. Until I got to the blessings. Why is that? Because there, and it wasn't with everyone, but there were certain people that I just, you guys were one of the, one of the ones that I got really emotional with. Because there's people that who have journeyed with me throughout the past, uh, you know, again, like however many years I've been doing this. And uh, I think that's really what, you know, our vocations are about. Regardless of like if it's marriage or priesthood or whatever. And our Christian faith is about, is about journeying together and leading each other to Christ. And so um, that was just yeah, there was just there was just a great sense of that when I saw that big line. I thought, well, all these people I've journeyed with, they've journeyed with me. We've all made some sort of impact in each other's lives. And even though even though people say like, oh, Peter, you've done so much for my family, for me, whatever. You know, I, and as much and as much as maybe I've invested time or effort into into that those relationships, I think it's it goes both ways, you know. And but especially with like friends who I've known for a long time, like you guys, my family. Uh, my siblings. It was neat to like be able to see again that huge line, and to be able to bless people and offer just a little bit of, I think, just gratitude for what they've done in my own vocational journey. I think that's when I realized like he's not just our friend anymore. Like he belongs to the church as we're standing in this line for an hour and a half. Like he belongs to these people who like feel like they know you like you know in such a deep way when i don't know i mean maybe they do but no, they just seem I, like yeah you're you know. right i mean i think most people or not i want to say most a lot of people that were there maybe i know i'm through saint john through the church that, mm-hmm. I, that I grew up at and maybe there's very there's minimal interactions with them to them there is a, a, a deep relationship that they they feel they encounter but you know it's interesting because as priests you know, if I was just another guy walking down the street, people wouldn't necessarily 
come to me, you know. But as priests, like, we are Christ to, to the world. And that's why people are coming to us, you know, hopefully to encounter Christ, not to encounter Peter. Mm. Um, hopefully they're encountering, encountering Christ, and that's what people are longing for. It's just, a, it's just a witness to what people are desiring and they're looking for. And that's for fulfillment, and hopefully that fulfillment is in Christ. And so as priests, we take on, a, we take on Christ, and we take on a, a specific role in that, in that. And so, like you said, you know, recognizing that the line that was there maybe was somewhat, somewhat symbolic for that. So kind of along those lines, I'm wondering if now that you're a priest, do you approach, do your friends approach you, approach you differently? Kind of the same question Veronica was asking earlier about the parents. Do your friends, people you know, do they approach you differently? And I guess vice versa, do you approach them differently or do you interact with them differently than you did before? I mean, some people, yes. Some people don't. I mean, I, I think I'll give the example for us. Like, We've known each other for a long time. I think there's always been like a, a, a respect, simply because I think we've we've all been pretty integrated into our faith, and so there's a there's a just a, a, a the way that we live life. I think is a reflection of our Christian values, and so we respect each other. The way that we interact with each other, it's not disrespectful. There's nothing. There's we're we're genuine with each other. I think we're and not to say that other people are not, but yeah, maybe maybe people that have a difficult time kind of navigating how to deal with me is is maybe not realizing that that uh, I'm still Peter. Um, yeah, I've taken on a, a responsibility and I've taken on a certain identity, um, and so they they try they find it difficult to really figure that out. What does that mean? And and a lot of it too just has to do with like not stereotypes but assumptions of how to treat a, a priest, you know. Because there are just kind of ideas out there that people think like, oh, we need to like respect this guy because he's like God himself walking here on earth, you know. <laughs> but that's not that's not necessarily the case. I think people need to hopefully, as a priest, we can be uh, we can be a, a, a person who is welcoming, who people feel comfortable talking to, and who they can be themselves to a certain extent. But also, the fact that you know you're calling a person, so it, like my brother's friends sometimes who would curse up a storm in front of their, my brothers won't necessarily do that in front of me because I'm a priest or I was studying to be a priest. And so you're, people people realize, okay, maybe there's something there and it holds them to a higher standard, I think, which is good. I think as Christians, we should be doing that uh, in general, not just priests. So so your, do your relationships change in any way? Um, no, I mean, maybe in more practical ways. I think because we are public figures, we need to be very cautious with like the sort of like interactions that we have with people because assumptions can be made. And so, um, but again, I think if, if there's a genuine sort of encounter, then I, I don't think that becomes an issue. Something as simple as, uh, oh, I'll, this is a good example. The other day I was hanging out with my sister and I was wearing my clerics and somebody saw me give a kiss to my sister on the cheek, which is what we do normally. And they made a comment, you know, like, well, that's the priest. What is he doing kissing this girl, you know? And so being aware of that, being aware that maybe I know that she's my sister, but probably the rest of the world doesn't know she's my sister. You know, or if like my nieces and my nephews who run to me because they go to Mass at St. John's when I was, you know, when I was hopping out there and they jump into my arms, this whole thing with like virtues and like just kind of being, mm-hmm. you know, having some sort of boundaries, you know, you, it's that, that for me, it's kind of hard to navigate to like really determine what where to go where not to go with that so yeah in some ways it changes but i would say not not necessarily 
necessarily. I think in general, as 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 um, persons, it's good to have boundaries. Like I think again, in a, persons in a relationship need to have boundaries with other people as well. So sure. how do you how do you do that? You know, and you, I, th- I think we figure that out little by little. Your first mass. <laughs> I mean, my eye I just roll my eyes because it's just like it was like so good. It hits all the marks. Nothing is like a mishap. I think I I told you like. You managed to fit anyone that could possibly fit in the church. Older people, young people, children, like, and somehow during the whole time, like, there were so many things, like, going on and so many opportunities for, like, mishap, and then it just wasn't. Like, it was one of the most beautiful masks I've ever, like, been to. You, like, being there, like, celebrating that, what are you thinking? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... This is, uh, first of all, I want to say thanks to AC for playing Come to the Altar. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. That was nice of you. No, it was awesome, man. I've gotten some really good feedback. Somebody said that they thought we had plugged in a boombox or something, or a CD player. Wow. (laughs) I said, that's 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 pretty cool. Uh, I've always said AC. I think AC has an amazing voice. That's why we had you on the podcast, Father, (laughs) just to come and compliment me. AC's new single will be coming out uh, Uh, September 2018. Yeah. I'll be walking down the aisle to AC singing some song. Um, it's in the works. Okay. No, I mean, in, in general, I've, I've always had an appreciation for the liturgy. It's one of the unique places in the church where we get to experience the divine. You know, that's, that's really the purpose of liturgy. We talk about like heaven and earth uniting when we celebrate the Eucharist. You know, the saints and the angels praying together with us here on, on earth. And it's a way of us glorifying God. And the church, I think, has great wisdom in this, in, in, in the tradition of having beauty as part of the liturgy, where it transcends, transcends us to something greater, something divine. And so I wanted, I wanted to represent that in the liturgy. It kind of just came together, you know. I had some guys from the seminary, actually all the servers that were there with me were seminarians, and they were, they were the ones that organized a lot of it. And... It was nothing out of the ordinary, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. I chose a few songs. The, the guys who were who were serving, you know, knew what they were doing, so maybe it was a little easier to kind of instruct them and to make sure that things were being dealt with okay. I think for me, I, I definitely took time to to look over the liturgy, to practice the liturgy, um, but also like I went it with, I went in, in into it with a prayerful heart, where I wanted to. I think the disposition of the of the priest and the persons make the liturgy also what it is mm. those who are participating in the liturgy it was an amazing experience and it's something like you know for s- six years you're in seminary and not that I was like planning my my yeah. first mass you know from the beginning of my time there but it's something that you kind of look forward to you know yeah. we're, pre- we're, we're priests to bring Christ to others specifically in the sacraments and particularly the church tells us as priests in the Eucharist it's the one place where we bring Christ himself to the world in the Eucharist. Realizing that, you know, I think the, the, the liturgy re- deserves a certain dignity and respect to it. And I wanted to, to give that to those that we encountered. Bingo, Father. Well done. <laughs> it was it. a great Mass. It was a great Mass. Uh, they're all great Masses, right? But... <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. A <laughs> little, like, little extra great. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and obviously, you know, it, it was kind of the also the hype of, like, what was going on. It was, you know, people... Again, there's okay, so yes. many people have. They're been- all great masses, but I think sometimes there is like 
the distraction of like the like sometimes the musician is like you know not you like sometimes <laughs> like you like I can go to a mass at X parish and I know that like mm, you know you like yeah, yeah the music yeah. is gonna be like, eh, not so great or like you know the altar servers are like running around or like there's something like there's just like so many distractions like ushers like there's just you know and this there was like no distractions like everyone seemed to know what they were doing whether or not they did or didn't i couldn't tell like <laughs> so i thought that i found what, that does to it be. speak more perhaps to like what what father was saying in that like he came prepared to do something like like the intentionality really yes not only on his part but on our part we were all like extra tuned in he was like this is a big deal yeah right and I mean, I feel like that speaks to... I mean, yeah, that could be... The, like you're saying, the intentionality of it all. Like, I'm here to experience this. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, I'm, I'm sure Father would agree, not because he was doing the Mass, because it was a Mass. You know, like, he came in trying to deliver... No, celebrate? Celebrate. Not, cel- right, that's okay. the word. Celebrate this sacrament. Mm-hmm very intentionally with lots of prayer behind it thoughts and we came in wanting to receive it in a very special way right i don't i can say honestly for myself i don't always think about mass that way no we like went to confession before so that we can get that plenary full plenary indulgence (laughs) 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 really i mean uh uh, to go back a little bit you know the, the the second vatican council talked about like Active participation, active involvement in, in the liturgy from the the lady in, in the in the mass, and oftentimes we interpret that with like singing, with uh, you know being some somehow playing a role within the liturgy, and that's not, I'm not, I'm not I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think there is a place for that as well. But also, you know, we could, you can go to you can go to mass and not necessarily and read or be Eucharistic minister and participate in some way, but doesn't mean that you're participating in the liturgy so when we bring ourselves when we bring you know our prayers when we bring our intention when we bring uh, ourselves to the liturgy and to christ then i think it changes it changes the, the, the dynamics of what it is that's what full active participation is not like i think some people think full active participation is they have to be an usher they have to be a lector but it has nothing to do with that that's so weird i've never i've never thought about it that way at all well, like in that way like i have to do something in that i just mean like, your brain is here not only your body, but everything is here. And you, you participate in the singing. Yeah. You try to go, you know, make sure you're in a place so you can receive. But I think we understand that. Right. Maybe maybe that's what she's talking about. I think there's a lot of people who who don't necessarily get that, you know. Who either sit in the pews and are just there out of obligation. Or who uh, come because they're somehow involved in, in, in different ministries. In the usher ministry and the Eucharistic ministers, you know. Um, but like I, th- I think you said it, AC. Like most people that were there, were there because they knew there was going to be a, a first mass of Thanksgiving, and so they wanted to be there. And I think um, they entered in a very special way, you know. So I think maybe it gave us a glimpse of like what we are called to do as Christians, as Catholics, when we attend mass. Uh, and it's hard. I get it. You know, a, a lot of the elements de- definitely affect how how much you're actually. Participating, mm-hmm. a lot of things can be distraction. So. I've yet to go to another mass with Father Peter, but uh, you set the bar pretty high. Well, I've been celebrating mass uh, <laughs> every day, different places. So, well, just taking the show on the road. Yeah. <laughs> 
man. You all can come uh, July 1st to St. Helens in Southgate. Yeah. At what time? I'm celebrating all the masses, so. Oh. Boom. Come all on right. over. That's how you do it. I think I'm, I'm doing all of them. St. Helens, Southgate. Google July it. 1st. July, July 1st. July 1st. Well, okay. We had a bunch of questions. I don't know if we've hit yeah. any of them or if we, they're we, even we, we just got through the ordination, but we do have a bunch of questions. Yeah. What role do you think social media plays in the new evangelization, particularly in your role as a priest? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, I, I think it can be huge. I think. Um, really quickly, for those people who don't know what the new evangelization is, just quickly, layman's terms. It's us people, priests, lay people, bringing the gospel to areas of crisis of faith, which in most cases is just our own parishes. Everywhere. 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 You know, bringing the gospel into those areas. So what role do you think social media plays in the new evangelization? And will it affect the way that you evangelize to people? Will you use it? What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's it's a huge opportunity for us to evangelize. Or most things can be used for the benefit of of Christ, you know, to bring people to knowledge of Christ. Uh, and something like social media, which we kind of grew up with, we also, we realized uh, the negative implications it can have on society, but the good that it's brought to, to the world, you know, how easy it facilitates the process of communicating with each other. Being able to share, on the other hand, you know, I think just kind of a, a false sense of identity for many people. It can lead to, I would say, like a sense of like isolation or loneliness, even though you're surrounded by so much. So if we as a church can use it to bring people to a greater knowledge of Christ, and sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly, then then I would say go for it. You know, mm-hmm. and, the, and actually the church has put out documents on this and they would say go for it. And I would, but I would always go in it with caution, boundaries and, and sort of limitations that we have. And I would also say, just kind of on a side note, like I personally think, and I, maybe you guys would agree, that one of the crises that we have in our, in our world is people just don't know how to have conversations anymore, like personal interactions, like one-on-one. How often are you, are you, do you really have a, a real conversation with somebody? And I think that's an effect of social media, where we've kind of disconnected ourselves from reality. And to live in genuine relationships is to be a Christian. And so as long as, I, as long as we're doing that, as long as it leads to that, then I will say, you know, go for it. Personally, I mean, in general, I, I, I don't necessarily go on social media all that often. But if I find a need to do so, then, or if I, if I find it beneficial for my ministry, I definitely would. I haven't really thought about it too much, I guess. Okay. So because you're a priest and you've mentioned earlier, like... Um, having this responsibility now that you are like this representative maybe maybe unfairly or maybe totally fairly like you represent the church you know absolutely and and priest in general and Catholicism you know and all of us as Christian people do that in the end I remember when, when I was with Net they used to send us off and be like you may be the only Bible anyone ever reads you know and that that kind of thing but as a priest then do you feel like you carry a, a bigger responsibility in the things you say now that as you say things maybe on social media is because the reach is so widespread do you have to be extra careful in what it is you're saying as to not spread heresy yeah heresies or <laughs> that kind of thing like is it is it prudent it's a good is it a good idea for people who represent the church like yourself to have 
discussions about very hot button issues um, through social media. Does that does that question make sense? I think in general, there's a lot of ignorance in regards to what the church teaches out there. And oftentimes, I think that can be misinterpreted as a church kind of being hateful or not accepting or whatever, or it's just kind of, it's an old church, so it's not relatable. It doesn't relate to current culture and society. But I think the church, obviously, we, we stand for what we, for what we believe in. We stand for what Christ spoke about. And oftentimes, it's countercultural. It goes against the values of, of society. And so keeping that in mind, you know, theologians have been studying some, some of these things for centuries, for long periods of time. And for somebody to go online and try to make a certain claim or, or uh, yeah, a certain claim on a specific issue of the church within 140 characters or whatever it is, uh, is somewhat, I think, irresponsible. It can be, especially if you have a large following. Sometimes things need clarification, and sometimes that doesn't happen. Or sometimes people can misinterpret things, and you could only do so much to take that back. You know, Once people see something, they're going to interpret it in whatever they want. They're going to take it however way they want. And then it's going to be harder to kind of, for lack of better terms, to fix the, the, the problem that you've put out there. So, Father, who keeps those people accountable? The other, we uh, we talked about um, the Met Gala a few weeks ago, and Cardinal Dolan was there, and Father James Martin was there, and they said some things that were, I mean, I consider to be a little bit scandalous and not above reproach. So who keeps those people accountable? We all have superiors. So Cardinal Dolan, he would be the Holy Father. Well, the Holy Father, and, and I would say like the College of Bishops. Father James Martin has his superiors. You know, he's a priest for the, for the Jesuits. And so he has his own superiors. So ideally, you know, their superiors would hold them accountable. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys remember during, during the um, the right there was a we had the promises that we made, and one of the promises was to be faithful to the church's teachings and be obedient to the bishop of your diocese. And so we, as as priests, we have a certain responsibility to to live up to that to that to that calling to be faithful to what the church is teaching and to not go contrary to what it has done, you know, it has given us. When you see particular priests being irresponsible with just me, maybe their posts or things that they say or teachings that are essentially heresy, what do you think? So I think it's very hard to be heretical. I think very few priests are heretical. I think the church actually is pretty quick to react to those sort of things. Mm-hmm. The, the the challenge is kind of the gray, okay. Where you like say things that are not necessarily contrary to to the church, what the church is saying, and yet there is some sort of like undertone to there's something deeper that they're trying to say. I think a prime example, and and with all due respect, I think Father James Martin is is a prime example of this, who specifically to the whole issue of same sex attractions, he is a big advocate for this group of people and rightly so I, I have a lot of respect for what he's trying to do with this community and I think the church has a, has a responsibility to, to respond and to react in an appropriate way in the way that Christ would want us to respond the problem that I have oftentimes with Father James Martin is that he is good at you know emphasizing the nature of Christianity as 
being loving and caring and merciful and accepting. And, and th all those things are true. They're, they're very true. But the, what I've, what I've kind of gotten or gathered from either listening to him or reading certain things or seeing some of his posts is that he stops there. And instead of leading people to greater truth, I don't want to say this and sound disrespectful, but he's misleading people. Where the point of everything that we teach as a church is to greater conversion and relationship with Christ. And specifically, again, to this idea of like same-sex attractions, what I have found is that he emphasizes all these things, but lacks to emphasize conversion, to know Christ, and to follow the commandments that we have been given. For what? Not, because, not just because they're rules or guidelines, but because they lead us to greater freedom as persons. And ultimately, as Christians, we have hope in eternal life. And that's and, and freedom and truth leads us to that reality. And and you know and again sometimes he puts stuff online and it seems like a little controversial and then you have a bunch of people fighting with each other, and that's not, you know one of the ways that the devil works is by causing division. He's all against division and yet somehow it's kind of ironic that this is what's happening. That's a great answer. <laughs> well done. You should be a priest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How's it going? All right. What other questions do we have for Good Father Peter here mm -hmm. with us? Okay, so what are some things that you already love about being a priest? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> some of the things that I love about being a priest, let's I see. I came with all these questions. Oh, okay. I wrote them all down. Uh, obviously, you know, celebrating Mass, that's, that's, that's pretty neat. And hearing confessions, I haven't really had the opportunity to hear too many confessions, but I've sat down a couple times and listened to either a set of, you know, you know people who have either a retreat or, or, or something else. And just kind of individuals that have come up to me and asked for confessions. So those two things in particular have been a great joy, you know. Another one, and just because it's kind of something that I've uh, encountered within the last couple of days, I was able to celebrate Mass in a um, man's room who was passing away from, from cancer. And so he wanted to receive the Eucharist. And and to be able to, you know, do that was just a... And as much as it was a gift for them, like for the family and for this for this man, it was very, very touching for me. You know, our faith, that's, that's what our faith is about. It's about hope in, in Christ, hope that he has a bigger plan and everything, even in the midst of challenge and pain and suffering. And this man saw that. This man saw what really mattered. You know, he was surrounded by his family and he received Christ before, right before he died. He actually passed away today. In general, like it's, it's been an amazing experience this past few weeks. I know I still have a lot to experience and go through but one of the unique things that I think I mentioned before about being a priest is that people are coming to you because they're looking for Christ they're not, they're not looking for me for Peter and so if I can give them that in a genuine and sincere way you know I'm going to do it as much as I possibly could and, and, and the church gives us Christ gave us uh, one of, the, one of the, 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 the ways that we do that is through the sacraments through the Eucharist through reconciliation through you know the rest of the sacraments that we do so yeah, those, those are some of the things that I've enjoyed so far. Are you nervous about anything? Uh, I mean, so I start I start my new assignment on July first. It's just a, I mean, it's an it's a new it's a new life. It's a, you're you're transitioning to something new. One of my professors or priest uh, formators told us the guys who were being ordained. He said, essentially, you know, most people go through different times in their lives and stages. You get a, you buy a, you get married at one stage. You buy a home at another stage. You get a new job at a different stage. But we're essentially, we're, we're doing all these at the same time. We're, we got married, we're getting a new job, and uh, we're getting and, and, and we're transitioning to a new place to live. And so a new community to get used to. And so all those things together sometimes can be a little stressful. 
so, I mean, I'm not necessarily too too concerned or worried about it, but I think for like uh, many of us, the unknown is can cause a little bit of anxiety or anxiousness. Okay, some practical questions. Yeah. Okay, so you said start a new job. Okay, practically, do you have to worry about food and gas, that sort of thing? I don't know. Like, if you're a new listener and you don't know what, like, a priest, does he have to pay for anything? Like, do you have to, like, like the president, he never has to carry cash ever again. He doesn't ever have to carry keys. He doesn't have to open any doors. Like, do do you have to, like, worry about, like, retirement and, like, that sort of thing? No, we're, we're, I mean, I would, I will say we're very blessed Okay. in that most things that are basic needs are, are given to us. So we get up, the, the, the rectories are home where, mm-hmm. where the priests live. The cars that belong to the parish are, are loaned out to us, to the priests while we're, while we're there. Food is taken care of at the rectory. You know, most, most, again, basic needs are kind of given to us. We get a small stipend for, uh, our, for you know, our own expenses. And I will also say, though, I mean, one of the promises that we take is simplicity of life, that we live a simple life. And so we're not living life, lives of luxury. Hopefully a priest is not driving around a BMW or, or what else? I mean, going out for expenses. A Tesla? Or Tesla. I mean, although that'd be kind of cool. There we go. That's an economic investment. <laughs> you should add tell the, responsible. the bishop, <laughs> excuse me. That, that's going to be my excuse. It's <laughs> an economic investment. It's just, okay. Um, we'll save money on gas. A lot of priests, especially like... You know, before priests would come in at a very young age, so this was the only occupation they ever had. So they lived in within the within their priesthood, you know, from a very young age, and so this is all they've known. There's now it's a little bit different. We have a lot of priests who, or some priests who are older, who've owned homes, who've owned apartments, who've owned cars, who have inheritances from their family, and so as diocesan priests, which which I am, we don't necessarily have to give up those things. But I think as a Christian in general, when we live the 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 evangelical councils, we live a life of simplicity, uh, chastity, and obedience. And so in general, like I think we our, our life should reflect that, and the life of the priest more so. So I think it's a, also a good opportunity to be good stewards with the things that are given to us. And then if we have extra, then... You know, we're also encouraged as priests to tithe, to give to our communities, uh, to give to those organizations that we support. You know, so yeah, we have we have the things that we need, and oftentimes, you know, I think I I do feel very blessed to be able to have those things, but I also feel a certain responsibility to be responsible with the things that that the church has given me, that God has given me, and to and to use it for the benefit of not only myself but others as well. Okay, well, were you afraid to go to like a different parish that was, was in the hood? Not in the hood, <laughs> but also, but me, the opposite, like that wasn't in the hood. That no, was like no. I mean, I I feel comfortable going wherever God wants me to go, and I mean, I'm from Baldwin Park. Baldwin Park is not maybe not the roughest place around, but it's also not like Beverly Hills, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I I think sometimes like things can be exaggerated and, and it's probably not as bad as people make it seem like. So father, I've been a lot of different places now at, at at you know different parishes and on two different sides now just someone who goes to church and then someone who works for a church and the administrative side and whatever. I I deal with parishioners all the time and you're going to di- deal with them in a much different way than I am. Mm-hmm. What in your mind makes for a good parishioner? 
like what what would you say is like an ideal parishioner? And I know you're you're a baby priest or whatever, but like, <laughs> but you've worked in churches also. You you yeah, worked at an office. Yeah. You have been you are a deacon, all this stuff. Yeah. So I think uh, to begin with, somebody who gives ten percent of their income. <laughs> Maybe get that more. out of the way. Make sure. <laughs> No, no. I'm I mean, a bad parishioner. <laughs> no, I mean I think we have to we have to be honest. Like we all we, we all come in from different places. We're all very unique. We all we're all bringing something different to the church and and you know Christ tells us that himself, you know. We all play different roles in the church and so uh it's hard to say what's the perfect parishioner, but I think in general, you know, what's the perfect Christian, what's the person perfect Catholic I think is maybe um uh a person who is desiring to know the Lord, you don't have to be perfect. Come to, come to Mass, you know, come to know the Lord. Ask questions, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't be afraid to, um, to come to either the priests or those that work for the church and, and, uh, and seek um, answers for those questions that you might have. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, I, th- I think a, a parishioner as a, at a Christian, at a Catholic church, uh, should also represent Christ themselves. The priest is not all, not the only representative, but all of us are Christ. And so, when a person is able to do that, I think uh, we 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 uh, facilitate uh, the the work of the church, which is to evangelize, like we talked about earlier, to the whole world. And so, um, invest your time, invest your 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 resources, invest uh, of who you are as a person. Build a relationship with Christ, grow deeper with Him, and 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 work for the greater glory of God's kingdom. I think is maybe the perfect parishioner. Yeah, if there is such thing. <laughs> and if you want extra credit, drop off some sweets at the rectory. Drop right? off some sweets. No, that's the last thing we need. Okay. A bunch of diabetic priests. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Oh, do you have a favorite song? I imagine that the priest. Because I get tired of playing. I'm a musician, right? I get tired of playing some songs over and over. Are there certain like mass sets or songs that you're just like, not again? Like I can't with this. Like mass some set. of these songs need to go on hiatus. Yeah, like for- no more, no more. Here I am, Lord. I just can't anymore. Just here I am. Lord. Uh, well, it's weird because you know I grew up going to Spanish mass. Yeah, ditto. I'm with you. And then I grew up going to the Life Chain mass. Yep. So it was more contemporary music, which a lot of the music that maybe we grew up with in Life Chain. Is not necessarily played too much anymore. There's certain songs that still are, but yeah, some songs are not. So I have never really been too exposed to, let's say, traditional hymns like, like breaking bread stuff, like breaking bread stuff. Aside yeah. from like when I was in seminary, and even then, like in seminary, because we only sang uh, on Sundays, sometimes during the week. But uh, it kind of it, it debated. I mean, it was it was it was it was different every every Sunday. Sometimes we had polyphonic choir. Sometimes we had more of a contemporary. Sometimes we had Spanish choir. So it, it was really it varied. Um, I don't. I will say I don't like, and I I don't want to. I don't want to insult anybody, but I, I'm not a big fan of like the folky like '70s uh, songs that were kind of created. You know, that's <laughs> most of everything in Breaking Bread. Yeah, Breath. I know. Like what? Can you give me a, an example, AC? What are you What is he talking about? Oh, uh, I mean. I don't know. This the weird thing is I I, I I totally understand where Father's coming from on this because I was the same way when I went around when when I was a kid I went to Spanish mass 
And then when I went around as a missionary on net, I was like, whoa, these songs are crazy good. Have you heard a uh, song of the body of Christ? It's oh, unbelievable. Oh like, and I mean, like we grew up with this stuff. Like I didn't, you know, <laughs> I grew up so, with, you grew up with traditional that, that English on. hymns. So like, now I didn't go to Spanish mass. Now that I work at different places playing music, I grew up. And then when I went, when I was a high schooler, I was with all contemporary stuff. So yeah, me and Father Peter have been around each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he'll be like, have you heard this song? And I'm yeah, like, like, I was like, oh, like sure City of God. This is like, uh, City of God. This song is like, it's catchy. Lift high the cross. <laughs> I don't like it all that much, but it's catchy. Like, I feel like those songs do a very good job. At, like, you know them. You only have to hear them once. Before you're like, oh, I know this. Somehow yeah, I know yeah. this. But, I mean, they are pretty cheesy. And Eagles not so Wings, much. is that one? Is. Ooh, Eagles Wings. Yeah. I mean, those are the sort of songs that I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't necessarily hate them, but, you know, if it were up to me, I'd They're probably... They're cringy. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. A little bit. Some of them, you know what, though? They do have very nice melodies. Like, musically, like... You could just listen to them and be like, oh, they're very like Oh, uh, what is that one song that's like, go make a difference? That song sucks. You can make <laughs> a Stop difference. It. Stop it. I, that song sucks. Yeah, you that's one really... song I wouldn't allow in my church. Just <laughs> oh my stop God. everything. Stop. Stop right now. No, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay. but I mean, I think, I think again. We... I wonder if we're going to revisit this question like one year from now and be like, is there yeah, any ask song me again. Ask you... me again yeah, some, okay. when I come back next time. Okay. Right. So we have... A gift for you. We have a gift for you, Father Peter. A gift. Is yeah. it a hazelnut? Classic <laughs> hazelnut bottle? It is not, no. <laughs> we got you. We got you a little something. It's over there. Oh. It's really like a little something. All right. This is on behalf of the uh, Cerna-centric podcast. It's, is this from your oh, benefactors? Okay. It's yes, from benefactors. one of the benefactors. From the directors. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Should I open it now yeah, or later? Yeah, you can open okay. it right here on the uh so, it's really a gift. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we figure. It is a My Pop Out mask kit. Yes. Uh, Ages a, three and up. See, a, <laughs> a baby priest gets baby toys. So that's how that works. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so just in case you want to like go to the little practice you know, mass. TK kids. Yeah, it's actually nice for know. like the RE kids or like the. Just go out to them and, you know, gather your people and yeah. All right. I feel like I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. And like Father Peter, thank you so much for coming in and for like answering our questions. I know they were all over the place. We I mean we touched on a lot of different things, which is really cool. So you you uh you're We gotta good. have a part two. You you're good you. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Um So July first. July first. All the masses. All the masses. Father Peter. Father Peter. Show up. Tithe. <laughs> and pray. <laughs> and pray. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. St. Helens, if you if you were entranced by Father Peter's voice and spirituality that comes through the microphone ever so <laughs> gloriously, you can find him at St. Helens starting the first. And, uh, you know, he's a great, great guy and he's a great, great priest. I can already tell. And so we thank you for coming on, Father Peter. We were wondering if you would give our listeners and ourselves a blessing through the microphones. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, good and gracious God, we thank you for the many blessings that you give us. We thank you for allowing us to gather here today and to be able to give you praise and glory through our words and our conversation. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you continue to bless uh, all of us here, Veronica and AC, all their listeners, all those that we interact with. And that through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, 
The blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all forever. Amen. 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 Excellent. Thanks so much, Father, for coming in. Everyone, have a good rest of your week, and remember your personal prayer. Take care, folks. Bye.